Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. If this is your first time sitting down with us, then this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, if you've been listening to Next Level Minds for a while, uh, y'all know that I took a quick break, so super excited to relaunch and resurface the Next Level Minds podcast. This is actually the first episode of uh, of 2022. So I'm am for it and I hope y'all are as well. We have a special guest today. I'm sitting down with Ryan Cass. He's a good friend of mine that I met uh, about a year and a half ago. And what's cool about Ryan is by day, he is a quality transformation manager at Boeing, but by night, he's the founder of One Day, which was an organization created for three purposes, one being to educate and inspire students and young professionals to incorporate goal setting into their lifestyle. Two, they coach and mentor individuals on goal setting, productivity, and leadership. And his third point here is that he connects and positively influences people through amazing leaders. So super excited to sit down with Ryan. He also runs a mastermind group that I'm part of in Charleston. And the last thing I'll mention about Ryan is he is one of the most humble dudes I've ever met. And he always, and I mean always, is trying to lend a helpful hand. So Ryan, super excited to sit down with them. And thank you to everyone listening to the Next Level Minds podcast and those that have been listening for a while. I really appreciate y'all's support. It means the world to me. The last thing I'll ask is if you got some solid value from the show, please share it with a family member, friend, or colleague. And as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Thanks for taking the time to be on the uh, Next Level Minds podcast, man. Thanks so much, Chris. And it's awesome to be on the other side of the seat now. So loved having you on my show earlier. And it's an honor to be a guest on Next Level Minds. Yeah, no, absolutely. What, what episode are you on, on on your show now? When today? We are on season two, episode number 11. And that's 40 total episodes on the Win Today podcast. So pumped about that as of today. Nice. I think. If I remember, I think I was like 16 or no, 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 that, that's your solo episode. I forgot what episode it was, but I was season one. So somewhere in there. Yeah. Y'all tune in. Chris was an awesome guest and got a lot of awesome feedback. So I'm sh- I don't know if you link the podcast notes or whatever we talk about, but y'all should tune in, listen to Chris anytime you have the opportunity to besides just this podcast. Yeah. But uh, man, I got to congratulate you on qualifying for the, uh, the Boston marathon. That is huge. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been a a five year journey, something that you know, taken a lot of time, had several obstacles, but got it done and on to the next one, man. I'm I'm excited. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I was gonna congratulate you like off air before you hopped on. I was like, nah, I gotta do this while while everyone's gonna listen. So that's huge. When when is sure. the uh, the marathon? So it'll be next year. So gotcha. the Boston qualifying process goes. You you qualify a year in advance. So yeah, just got my first sub three hour marathon time, which is just enough to squeak in. And yeah, April, 2023, go to Boston. Man, I knew you were a runner when we had, uh, I think we had like a random call on a Saturday and you're like, yeah, I just, uh, you know, got back from like a casual 11 miler. And I was like, (laughs) nice. I think I drove that far the other day, but (laughs) (laughs) it's just, it's just left foot, right foot, man. Like I think what, what's important is that everybody has some sort of outlet or Mm. method to challenge themselves. And for me, running is both. It's an outlet. It's something that I use to clear my mind of anything and everything. And it's also the same mechanism that I use to challenge myself. So whether it's 
running for you or going to the gym, playing golf, whatever. I believe it's very important for everyone to have those two things. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. So let me start here. Like first question, I know episode 16 of your podcast is titled, you know, why I do what I do. Right. And you talk about kind of, as you say, breaking a generational curse. So I would love if you could break down kind of the definition for the listeners out there of a generational curse and then maybe summarize that episode a bit, because I think that really paints a picture of who you are. And as you mentioned, why you do what you do. Yeah. So why I do what I do, it's twofold. And over 2021, I really started to become much more vulnerable and just truly share, hey, I'm passionate about what I do through one day because of what I saw in my youth. So I... Uh, and I'll get to the second part, but really the deep reason behind why I do what I do is because I come from a family with a systemic trend of alcohol abuse and mental and emotional abuse that's just been carried on from household to household. And I am choosing to end it. I will not be the next person in my family that struggles with alcohol. I will be the first person, my sister and I will be the first people to to break the trend and to have tightly connected families and have the most amazing relationship with people that are close to me. And, and whenever it comes time to have a special woman, having the most amazing relationship with her and, and honoring her all the time. So I'm I'm passionate about why I do what I do, this message about goal setting, because being intentional about my goals and what I want to accomplish in the future is what's allowing me to not be the next one, but to be the first one. And so that's why I do what I do. And I believe a generational curse is just anything, any systemic trend, any negative systemic trend that exists in the family that's been passed down from time to time. So the the buck stops with me. And so that's the deep reason behind why I do what I do. The other reason why I do what I do is because I was not very focused academically growing up, kind of like you, Chris, you know, we talked on my podcast and I knew that one, if I was going to end the generational curse and two, if this vision that I had in my head of becoming a successful business leader and someone with a well-renowned brand that was speaking all over the place, that wasn't going to happen if something didn't change. So I went to the Citadel and I started researching leaders. And I found that a common trait in three leaders I love to talk about, Michael Jordan, Tony Robbins, Richard Branson, very successful people in all of their industries. But a common trait that links all of them is that they write their goals down. Mm. And I figure, hey, if this works for them, why wouldn't it work for me? So once I discovered the power of it, I realized looking back, man, we don't talk about this enough in schools and teach this enough in schools. So I made it a mission to start one day. And so those are the two big driving factors. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a super interesting story, right? I mean, I, I want to ask this though, is it for you, was it just that one pivotal point growing up that's like, all right, I'm going to change this? Or would you say it was more of like a combination that just ultimately led to that? A combination. So yeah. the things from my youth and we can, the things from my youth, these are things that started from as early as I can remember being four or five years old, all the way up until college. And then additional instances while in college and even up through recent years. So seeing that on a, especially the alcohol struggles on an almost daily basis growing up for several years, it, that, compiled with just ultimately, you know, I came to a point where I was around 16 in high school. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I refuse. Mm -hmm. It's enough is enough. And so I, I was already kind of mentally committed. It was just a matter of, okay, now go take the action and be intentional about what you want. So it was, it was a culmination of things. Yeah. And, and the second thing you mentioned uh, in, in that kind of summary that I thought was interesting was you know, combining and wanting to create a family and, and having that strong family bond. So how, how would you suggest you combine, you know, both 
acquiring success and family. Cause I think sometimes people look at it like I'm going to sacrifice family for success, or I'm going to sacrifice like this potential success for family time. Like what is your kind of strategy to combine both of those? So for me, I think it starts with asking yourself what's most important to you, Mm. because for some people, it might be that that career moving up the corporate ladder as quickly as you can, which, hey, good for you. Or for some people, it might be, hey, I want to my top priority. The most important thing in the world to me is having a tightly connected family. But what I say is write down all of the things that are important to you and then look at it on paper and then actually choose, okay, what are those four or five things? So for me, family is, is it's in that mix of those five things that are, that are the most important to me. So from there, you know, I've mapped out, I focus on my personal goals, professional fitness and health financial in one day. So family's baked into that into that personal. And with that, I, every day I look at my goals board and it's got, you know, right. And you can see it right here behind me, um, on that vision board that's attached to it, have a tightly connected family. So I look at that every day and no matter how hard I'm grinding in my mind, I know that family is still a key priority. So I make time every week to call someone in my family, especially my immediate family and even my extended family, because it's great to have it written down there, having a tightly connected family, but goals are just outcomes. If things that you write down are just outcomes and um, it's, it's about having systems in place and taking action on those things. So me seeing it every day keeps it at the forefront. So long answer to your question, but to keep the focus on your family and your profession, I recommend writing it down that those are things that are important to you and then looking at it every day. And subconsciously, you're going to start thinking about your family more, calling your family more, doing things with your family more. We can go all day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like you mentioned the priorities. I mean, I was talking to somebody one time about time management. I was like, man, like I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do this. Like I'm worried about this. And he's like, man, it sounds like you just have a priority problem, not even a time management problem. So I think there's like important to differentiate the two there. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So you talked about goal setting a little bit and something you've mentioned before, and I've heard like one of your talks, um, Zoom, so not in person, unfortunately, but I heard one of them. You said the best investment you've made was uh, in a pen and paper, um, which I'm sure you're about to hold up right now. That's awesome. Man, you always have that thing on you. Like literally every time we met, you'll be like, oh, here it is. So uh, can you elaborate on that though? Yeah. Yeah. So this binder that I have in my hand right now that you can see, but no one else can see what I've got in my hand right now is the binder that I started writing my goals down in. 11 years ago now. So I, I call it my, it, the front page, it's called my success book. And it's got every goal that I've ever written down for the last 11 years. So when I started as a freshman at the Citadel, and I say that this is the best investment that I've ever made because everything that I've written down here has given me, it's, it's helped me become the person I am today. It's helped me transform not only my personal life, but I believe that this is what's helping create that tightly connected family. So I mentioned before there was a lot of struggles and what's happening now is everyone's slowly starting to come back together. And I seriously believe, Chris, that a big part of it is because of just being intentional about you know writing out what you want and then taking action there. So I believe that the best investment that we can make is in ourselves. And if we wanted to make it something tangible, I believe that a notebook and pen is the best thing because when you write down your goals and what you want to accomplish, you are just by writing it down, you're 42% more likely to accomplish it. When I share those goals with you, when I share what I want with you, now those odds increase to up to 70%. And that's backed by a study from the American Society of Training and Development. So I love those two stats because they are backed by studies and I've seen it firsthand. Um, The most amazing thing, what really made me believe in this was in high school, 
I didn't have amazing grades. Like I mentioned earlier, I was far from any sort of academic honor roll. And one of the first goals I wrote down was to make Dean's list at the Citadel. So I'll never forget a, I'll never forget a phone call that I made to my parents right before coming home first semester. I saw that I was going to be on Dean's list 3.4. And so subtract by one, you got my high school GPA or pretty close. So I call my parents I'm like, mom, dad, I'm going to be on Dean's list. And they, they didn't believe me. Like, Ryan, what do you mean? You've been gone for four months. And the reason why that happened is I wrote down, guess what? Mm. Dean's list. And I looked at this every single day. So what did I naturally start thinking about doing? I started thinking about studying. I started thinking about going to study hall, about writing papers a week in advance instead of writing papers two hours before they were due, like high school. You know, yeah. So... That's it's and it's something that I'll I will have this book until and until the good until the big man upstairs calls me home till the till the good lord says all right your time here is finished like this this has helped me earn everything that I have today. Yeah. I, I love that too because you can kind of gain some momentum, which I'm sure you have, if you're ever feeling like you're in a low moment. It's like, let me just look back on the last few years and all the goals that I've accomplished. I mean, do you think that comes in handy in that aspect? Oh yeah. I look at it. I look at this a lot and it's something that yeah, I can pull out the highlights of, okay, I've accomplished goal X, Y, and Z. But the other thing, it, one of the best teachers too is also failures. Mm-hmm. And I believe that failure is a good thing. And obviously none of us strive for failure, but we shouldn't fear failure. So what you'll see here after every page where I have my goals the next page is the review of those goals. So I can go back and there are X marks in here. There are several goals that yes, I've accomplished, but there are also a fair number that I haven't accomplished. And I look back at those and, and I note, how did it help me? How did it, how did I grow from this? How am I better from this? So I look at this to see where I succeeded and also where I failed. And they both provide a They both provide a fair amount of motivation. Yeah. I, I like that you write down the failure aspect too. And like that, that's what I agree with too. I mean, it, a failure is just a, a learn a big learning lesson at the end of the day. And it's okay to have X's on your goals, right? It, it, you're not going to have that hundred percent, you know, 10 out of 10 every single time. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'd be silly to tell anyone that just because you wrote something down, you look at it every day and you take action. Yes, you are significantly more likely to accomplish that goal, but yeah. it's not guaranteed that the Boston Marathon took me five years. It took me five years. I was actually looking at that yesterday because the next episode or this, this most recent episode is about that process. Mm. So in those five years, I was taking action, but there were many obstacles that, that came into play. So, but every one of those failures along the way and setbacks has just helped me grow tremendously. So I'm thankful for it. Yeah. And, and now that you brought that up, like I, I wanted to ask you about that because I saw that you, I think, went to the ER after 24 miles on one race. I saw that you had knee injuries in like 2017, 2018, 2019. And to top that off, you were hit by a car. Uh, <laughs> so that's a lot of stuff coming at you. Like, could you expand on all that? Yeah, yeah. So I started on this running journey 2017. Well, I'd been running for a while before then, but I didn't really tie any goals to it until a couple of years after college. I was just doing some 5Ks and whatnot. And I like to set my set my targets high and looked up, you know, what's the like hardest running race or what's the most prestigious running race and Boston Marathon came up and Boston is something you have to qualify for, as we mentioned. So I figured, hey, if this is something where you can't just sign up and show up like, and you have to be invited, I want to go for it. So yeah, set out for it in 2017. And um, I got injured a few times to where, you know, a couple of knee injuries where I was basically just limping around for a couple of months at a time. And, and to qualify for boss, I mean, this is something where you've got to be running consistently for six to five to six days a week minimum. Mm-hmm. So the injuries don't help you build any you know, aerobic capacity. So 
So that was 17, 18, started getting a little bit faster, started getting really fast in 2019 and was feeling real confident. And then January 23rd, 2019, I was half a mile into my run and in a crosswalk and basically just got bulldozed by a car. I All I remember is waking up in the trauma unit at MUSC in downtown Charleston and my parents were there. <laughs> And I had amnesia. If you have you ever seen uh, Fifty First Dates? Oh yeah, yeah. You know yeah, Ten yeah. Second Tom, like uh-huh. where he's like, "Hey, I'm Tom," and then he, ten seconds later, "Hey, I'm Tom." So right. literally, that was me. I said, "I got I got hit by a car." And my parents like my parents said, "Yeah, Ryan, you got hit by a car." I'm like, "Okay." So I got hit by a car, you know, and and they're like, "Oh boy, like this is not good," and it was bad. So that that um, fortunately made it out of there with just a you know, severe concussion and a, a bad hematoma, but no, no broken bones. So I guess the, the big man doesn't want me to go upstairs yet. So very thankful to, to still be here, but, uh, yeah, the SUV hit me at like 30 miles an hour or something like that. Is what the cop said. So, uh, yeah, but eventually got better from that and then started getting my fitness back up again. And 2020 made an attempt to qualify for Boston at the Wilmington Marathon. So the the exact race that I qualified at a couple weeks ago, I ran 10 months ago. The week of the race, I pulled my hamstring and figure, all right, I've been working at this for four years now. A pulled hamstring's not going to stop me. Like I'll I'll bandage this thing up. I'll wrap it up. And <laughs> When you run with damaged muscles, um, it it sends basically like it pushes bad proteins into your bloodstream. And so I had I got rhabdo rhabdo is the short name for it rhabdo myelosis whatever rhabdo. So basically, what that means is it's it's muscle breakdown that could sense bad proteins into your bloodstream that could cause uh, kidney failure. So I was 16 miles into the race, running amazing pace, and then. I noticed I couldn't reach into my gel pouch anymore. Like my hand was like dead, like numb. Mm. And I'm, I'm thinking, all right, man, well, 10 more miles, you suck it up. Like, you know, David Goggins, stay hard, man. Like what's 10 miles when you've already ran 16. So get to mile 20. And I mean, it, when you're running a marathon, you're going to hit walls. It just, it happens. Even this last one, it, you hit walls and, and your mind starts telling you things. So mile 20, I hit the wall and then like, all right, dude, suck it up at this point. Like I literally can't even feel my arm. It's just dead. And like, okay, six more, whatever. And what my body was really telling me at 16 was, Hey dude, like you need to stop. So, but I don't, I don't like to listen to that. So I get to mile 24 and I literally start like stumbling and ran into a parked car and thank God that there were medics on the course. Some medic literally rips me off the rips me off the course. And, and she's like, you're done. And I was like, no, like I got two more miles. Like I'll, I'll just give me an IV and I'll go sprint this thing out. Like I, I was, I'm so dead set on, on this goal and just everything that's come with it. I mean, all the 4am wake ups, all the, everything, all the proper nutrition, you name it. So yeah, I uh, got a free hospital ride after 24 miles. So 2.2 miles away from the finish. And uh, restarted the process again and got it done, um, February 26th, I think. So just, just recently, but it was amazing. It's just, and I, I cried, yeah. you know, at the, I cried during the race. My parents actually showed up. They, they were tracking me the whole time. I had no clue until mile 12. I, I saw them there in, in the middle and it was, it was real cool. So, um, yeah, I knew at that point, I was like, all right, you're going to get this thing done. But that's been the journey, man. Yeah. I mean, it's a, well, you said four or five years and and that five whole, years. Yeah. So, well, all right. So what was kind of your thought process? Uh, the most recent one where you had to go to the, you got the, as you mentioned, the free ride to the ER. I mean, was it like when you started fresh, were you like, screw this? Or was it more of like, I think I really do have it this time type of thing? So on the most recent marathon? Yeah. When you started uh, to train again and then after you went to the ER and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So actually right behind me, again, another thing that people can't see, but I bought a picture from the race 
in 2021. And so you can see there, it's me at, I think it's mile 12. And I put a sticky note on it and it says, you don't always succeed the first on the first opportunity. Hmm. Failure is a good thing. So I look at that thing every day because I, I update my goal board just about every day with all my mileage and everything. So every run I'm updating the goal board and then I'm seeing that picture where again, I, I ended up in the, in the ER. And so for me, it was, Hey, I'm always going to believe that I'm going to get the job done. I believed I was going to get the job done in 2021. I believed I was going to get the job done in 2019. Then I got hit by a car. So going into this race, there was, there was no option. And another thing I started doing was that week I wrote, I started writing on paper, um, three times a day. I qualified for the Boston marathon on February 26, 2022. And I wrote that out every day. And then the morning of the race, right before I left my hotel room, I wrote out, you know, I qualified for the Boston marathon today. So that's cool. In my, and then the other reason was like, all right, if, if, if history repeats itself <laughs> or if I die, at least people know, I believe in myself, <laughs> That's true. but, but, but there was, there was no option, man. I knew it was going to be tough. I knew that I was going to face the mental demons, which, you know, they came up again at mile 22 and 23, but that same exact spot where I ended up getting pulled into an ambulance last year, mile 24 was my fastest mile this year. Wow. So right after, and 22 and 23 were two of my slowest miles in the race. Like my body was, it was, it was like those demons, those voices coming in your head. Like, Oh, you've ran a good race so far. You know, you could slow down a little bit. Like Mm. your, your demons will always find you. And that goes for not just personal things, but professional things. There's always going to be that voice on your shoulder that, Hey, Hey, Chris, you've done enough. You know, you're good. You don't need to make five more phone calls today. Mm. It's all good, man. And you, once you get past that, you go make 10 more calls or, you know, you go pump your fastest mile. So uh, there was never a doubt. It was just, and then, and then when I saw my parents on mile 12, it was like, damn, they just drove four hours to surprise me. You better get this done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to do it now. That's funny. You better funny. do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that you brought up that whole story. Cause I think a lot of people, especially when they're first starting out with this whole, you know, personal development goal setting thing, it's kind of like, oh man, just writing all this crap down. Does this actually work? You know, it's kind of like, ah, like, but you just had a practical example of like, I wrote it down every day. I looked at the goals every day and look what happened. You got, you took you five years. Right. But you, got that goal of, of now qualifying for the Boston marathon. So to all the listeners out there, that's just a freaking prime practical example right there. If this stuff does actually work. Absolutely. Yeah. So next question I want to ask you is, uh, I know at your company, you're in more of a leadership position, right? Um, you and I are both obviously relatively young in the whole, you know, quote unquote grand scheme of life. Uh, a lot of the listeners out there are, are around our age. So, you know, how can you lead at a younger age? I mean, that's something I've, I've always been very curious about. So I think that leadership in itself, then that's something that early on, I, I had those thoughts of, man, you know, I'm, I'm only 20, 22, 23, and I'm in charge of a team. But I believe that leadership knows no age, just as titles don't truly reflect leadership. And I would even go so far to say that degrees don't always define intelligence. Mm. So, and I think those are some self-limiting beliefs that we may have of this guy's a CEO. He must be an amazing leader, the smartest person in the world. And I've learned now not to get so caught up in, in the titles. And I believe that for for us, how we can lead at an early age, my number one rule for leadership is put people first, people first, business second. So I lead a team now of 11 quality engineers at the Boeing company, and I'm 29. I believe the average age on my team, if I had to venture to guess, it's somewhere in the, in the 40s. Wow. And highly experienced, highly experienced people so I don't come in there. I come in there recognizing that, listen, y'all have the skill and knowledge. I, my primary mission here is to 
help you get to where you want to go, how help you accomplish your goals and ensure that this team is successful. So the first thing that I always do, especially when I'm taking over a new team, and I believe that the sign of a good leader is if you can tell me five things about every person on your team, mm-hmm. five things that aren't related to work. So not five things that this person is the program manager and they're responsible for the Northern Virginia and South Carolina territory. No, this person has three kids. They're, they've got a golden retriever and they're working on their master's degree. They're from Springfield, Michigan. I, I'm just naming stuff. Yeah. But what that shows is that what that shows about you as a person, as a leader is, hey, you truly care about your people. And when you truly care about your people, you can lead in any organization. So how someone can lead is get to know your people, get to know three to five things about everybody, recognize that you don't have all the answers, but you will do anything you can to find the answers and show up for your people every day, check in with them. I Another rule of mine is no meeting starts... Um, I never start a meeting talking about business. So if mm. we're in a meeting right now, like look at the first thing you and I did. We didn't jump into this podcast. Hey, how are you doing, man? Yeah. What are some highlights? What are, how are your goals? Like you do that, you'll be, it doesn't matter if you're 25 leading a team of, of 40 year olds. It doesn't matter if you're 30 leading a team of 20 year olds. Take, take the age out of it and, and focus on people and learning as much as you possibly can. And, they will respect you and show you the way. Yeah, man. I love that. I love, ah, that just pumped me up a little bit. I love how you just are like people first, people first. I think so many times the leaders go and they're like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to make this much money for the company. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then they forget the, the whole premise of it's the people that you're managing that are actually doing that for you uh, and for the company. So that's so cool that you put people first. And, and again, you living by example, when we first hopped on, you were like, Hey man, like when are you speaking at Wichita state? I was like, Whoa, I told you that like two or three months ago. How did you remember <laughs> that? So that that's super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've had a few leaders, and the ones that are my favorite leaders are the ones that are, are remembering personal stuff. And I, I, even though it seems like such a small thing, I mean, the fact that you're doing that, people really do love it. Absolutely. And the other thing I'll add is that one book that really influenced me, it's called Everybody Matters by Bob Chapman. Highly recommend it. Mentor of mine gave it to me. But, and I mentioned this before that that titles don't necessarily reflect leadership. But my other rule is everybody truly does matter. So if you look at it, now my day job, I work at the Boeing company. We build $300 million jets, the 787. And the most important person at the Boeing company, the most important relationship you can have at the Boeing company is with the mechanic. Hmm. And people might scratch their head and like, what do you mean the mechanic? If you look at an org chart, the mechanic is at the very bottom. But that mechanic is responsible for manufacturing the airplane, the aircraft that allows us to be a $100 billion plus company. Mm. But people may think, oh, I want to meet the vice presidents and the executives and the directors, which is great. But the best leaders are the ones that you can walk the factory with them and they're talking to the mechanics, they're shaking their hands, the mechanics know who they are. And, and they know things about the mechanics. So any new hire that comes in, I always tell them, I walk the floor, introduce them to some mechanics. And I, and I tell them, look, you can meet the vice president. Awesome. Good for you. But the most important person you're going to meet is the one that was just building that airplane right there. Mm. So don't get so caught up in titles. You can learn something from anybody in this life. Yeah, I agree. I think that's kind of a entry-level mindset, meaning like when I first started hearing more about leadership and success, I always thought like the person with the best title was always the, the best person when it's, it's really not always the case there at all. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and, and let, let me ask you another question. So was there any lessons as like a younger child or like maybe even at the Citadel that like taught you some of those initial leadership learning lessons, or would you say it was all kind of learned through the Boeing company? A lot of what I got from the Citadel carried over into the professional world. And for folks that aren't familiar with the Citadel, it's a small military college here in Charleston, South Carolina. The Citadel is often referred to as a leadership laboratory because 
you're not only going there just for school, you, regardless of if you're going into the military or not, because it's, it's a public institution yet that functions like the academies do, regardless of if you're going in or not, you're still wearing a uniform every day. You still have leadership responsibilities. So while I was there, you know, I was fortunate enough to have leadership roles that had me in charge of anywhere from a small group of 10 people to my senior year, I was in charge of an entire battalion of nearly 500 cadets. Mm. So, and that was, that was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool experience as a, as a 21 year old, you know, having, having responsibility for 500 people. Some people don't have the opportunity to lead five people, 10 people in their life. So what I learned there was a lot of what I, what I said here is that I wouldn't have been able to earn that role for one, if it wasn't for being good with people and respecting everybody's backgrounds, differences, because that's truly what one of the, one of the reasons why I believe organizations are stronger is because they've got people that can think differently and that have experienced different things. So I learned how to value that early on and there was a lot of challenges. I believe that peer leadership is the most difficult form of leadership because in many cases we're telling, you know, we're you're leading people that a couple hours later you're going to go have dinner and a beer with. Yeah. So it made it a lot easier for me coming into the corporate world dealing with people that were pushing back against me because they're not my friends. Mm. I still care about them, but it's not someone that I live five feet down from and we're going to go have, go have some dinner. So yeah. learned the, what the good parts of leadership were and also learned about the, the difficult parts and how to have tough conversations and look someone in the eye and, and tell them that they're not meeting the mark and got to test a lot of different things out, what worked, what didn't work. So this, this leadership journey has been, a, has been a long one for me, but it started for sure at the Citadel. Yeah. That's so funny about the peer to peer. I totally agree with you on that. And and when you first start, you're like, Oh, it's gonna be nice. Like I'm, I'm a leading some of my friends. And then you're like, wait a second, this is a lot harder. It is hard. Yeah. (laughs) But it's good because it makes, it makes the difficult conversations in the future easier and having those conversations, getting those reps under your belt when you're Mm -hmm. young. And even, and even for folks that are listening right now that you don't have to have had that experience in college, but even if you're 24, 25, 26, whatever, and you're having those, those tough conversations, those tough situations, be thankful for those because we got a lot of life to live ahead. We got a lot of life to live. We've got a lot more work to do. And those conversations, those difficult moments are going to continue coming up. And every time it comes up now, I just look at it as an opportunity. It's a, it's a, it's a growth moment and it makes the next one just a little bit easier because you get those reps under your belt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. The reps are what matter. I mean, the consistency, and even if you don't want to do the reps that they're so important, just like training for that run. Yep. Yep. Or, you know, we're both always wanting to take a, take strokes off our golf game. So got to go get some swings, get the reps applies yeah. to everything. Oh yeah. At the Cove, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So let's say someone's listening to this and like, all right, Ryan, I get you. Like first development is important. Goals are important. Habits are important. I understand, but they are like, Hey, like I feel stuck or like, where do I start? Is it actually going out and buying that pen and paper? Or what would you suggest somebody that may be asking that question? So where do you start? So I'm going to go back to what I mentioned before. And this is actually, I love this question because it, it fits the the little Instagram post that I made yesterday. So where do you start? Yes. If you're going to buy something, go spend $5 or maybe $7 now with inflation to go buy a a notebook and a pen. Ask yourself these two questions. What is important to me? And I want you to map out everything that comes to mind. What's important to me? So, So family, fitness, faith, community, everything, literally everything, write it down. And then from there, you can take a look and see, okay, what are those four to five things that are most important to me? Now ask yourself, how do I want to create an impact in this world? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a, a live example. What's something that is important to me? One day, my business, how do I want to create an impact? I want to teach students and professionals about the power of goal setting. Okay, let me make a goal 
boom, I'm going to launch an online goal setting course this year. Mm. Because what's important to me is one day the business. What, how I want to create an impact with that is by teaching the power of goal setting and how you can incorporate that into your life. Okay, boom. So people, I believe, often ask, like, where do I start? Because, and I say the easiest way to get started is by asking those two questions and writing it down because we have experts estimate that we have 50,000 to 80,000 thoughts that circulate in our minds every day. Wow. So lots of things are running through our minds, but as soon as you put it down on paper and look at it, boom, it's going to give you three things. It's going to give you focus, drive, and direction. Mm. Think about it like this. If you're about to go grocery shopping before you leave the house, there, there's, I don't even know how many items are in a grocery store. Let's just go with yeah. 50,000, right? There's 50,000 different items in there. And as you walk through the aisles, they're all very strategically placed. You start thinking about all of the sweets or everything that is out there on the front displays. But let's say all you're doing is you just want milk, eggs, and rice. So if you write down before you go to the grocery store, milk, eggs, and rice, as you're walking through that grocery store, what are you naturally going to start thinking about? Milk, eggs, and rice. And you're less likely to go down the candy aisle and put some Twizzlers and Sour Patch Kids, which happens sometimes. But you're less likely to do those things because you're coming in there with a plan and you're naturally thinking about your... It's almost like your body is like a magnet and it gravitates towards those aisles. Like I swear this is how, how powerful this is. So um, that's a couple real world examples. But What's important? How do you want to create an impact? And then from there, once you have your goals mapped out, then we, we get into, okay, what's your system for accomplishing that goal? Mm. So for instance, let's say that fitness is important, right? Let's, use, let's just keep using running as an example. How do I want to create an impact in the fitness world? I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Okay, roger that. Qualify for Boston Marathon. So qualify for Boston Marathon, that's just the outcome. But now you've got to build a system for achieving that goal. And what that system looks like is running six, five to six days a week, working out five to six days a week. So that goes to, okay, now you've got to structure that workout in your day at some point, whether it's in the morning or after work. So I love James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. We don't rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems. Mm. I love that quote. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, where I would, where I would start is ask those questions, write those things down. And then from there, once you know how you want to create an impact, make goals off of that. And then think about your, the next thing is building your system, which is really encompasses your habits to accomplish those goals. Yeah. And stay focused. Yeah. I love that. And that's so cool. And I think, let me ask you like this question. So when it comes to the impact, is that per each category? So let's say it's like, have a good relationship with my significant other. Is it like, how do you want to make an impact there? Or, or is that just under like certain categories? Under all of them. So, cool. so really there's, there's, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, but that's a good clarifying point. So how do you want to create an impact, but also like, what does success look like? Right. So, yeah, I guess, how do you want to create an impact? Like for a marriage, I think it's more of, okay, what does success look like? Success looks like going out with your wife or girlfriend once a week and having time for each other once a week to communicate or go for a walk or whatever your favorite activity is. But um, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. No, I just wanted to like clarify that a little bit. Cause I know I had that question. It's like, Hey, someone else may have that question, but yeah. Uh, yeah, man, the systems are so important. It's like ever since I started laying out the systems and when I went to breakfast with you, you, you were like, Hey, these are great goals, but how, like, uh, what did you say? How are you going to get there? Or, uh, who, yeah. who, who, not how, or who, whatever that yeah. book, right? Yeah. Yep. So yes. I thought that was a good point. Maybe you could bring up too. Cause that kind of changed my perspective. I wrote who, under all my goals. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's actually helped a lot with, with some forward momentum towards them. Yeah. So expanding on systems a little bit. So it's important to have a system, which your system is built on your habits for each of your goals. So 
for instance, the let's say let's just say you want to run 500 miles. You can't wake up on December 31st, 2022, and then lace up your shoes and say, all right, I'm going to go run my 500 miles right now. That, that goal, that outcome does not become a reality if you don't have a system in place, meaning you've got a habit of running, let's say, two miles, three times a week, right? Mm. So now the other thing, and this is what's also shifted my thinking to your point, is systems, a lot of it deals with yourself. However, when we think about goals and what we want in this life, there's no such thing as a, a one-man army, a one-man show. And this book that I read, shout out to my good friend and, and mentor, Kyle King. He got me on this book, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. For every goal or every, anything that you want to achieve in this life, yes, it's important to map out the habits that are going to help you get there, but also who can help you get there. Who are the people that you need to take you to the next level? For instance, Chris, I know that getting into real estate investing and generating passive income streams is important to you. So who are you connected with that is already in that space? For for me, same thing. I have a goal to generate passive income streams this year too, at least $1,000 a month. Who am I talking to that has already done that? Who do I need to talk to or who do I need to find that is already doing that? Because that just helps you build momentum. It helps you create more clarity. And we can go on Google and YouTube University all day long, which is nothing wrong with that. Also helpful. But at the end of the day, we need people in our corner. We need to build that army of support in order to get where we want to go. I mean, if I asked you right now, okay, Chris, I know that you are where you are today because of goal setting and being intentional, but is there anyone that has helped you get to where you, is there, is there anyone responsible for you sitting behind that microphone right now? Yeah, it'd be a hundred percent. Yes. Besides just yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for every goal that you have, think about who can help you get there. Who do you need in your, on your team and in your corner? And, and I, and I, that's the premise of Who Not How by, by Dan Sullivan. Highly recommend it. It just gets you to think differently. So for instance, even with my business with One Day, there were, I was making a bunch of flyers and things on my own, things I really don't enjoy doing. Yeah. And, and it takes a lot of time. And I'm thinking, okay, who can help me do this? Now I hire people to go do it for me at a low cost. And and it also, you know, I value my labor at a certain amount per hour. So if it's going to take me three hours to do something, then it would cost me X versus I can go pay someone 50 bucks and do this in an hour. Who, not how. Yeah. And, and another thing too, I think going back to the whole writing things down and how it intertwines with the who, not how is if you write things down more, it gets put in the subconscious mind. And then you're constantly thinking about ways to achieve that. And even in your daily conversations, you naturally start to bring up your goals. I mean, prime example, the other day, got a drink with a buddy, my goals, I've been writing them down every day. So I just naturally started bringing up some things and sure enough, he had actually some of the same goals. Like, I feel like I would have never brought that up to this person if they weren't so ingrained in my subconscious mind. Absolutely. So it just, it's just a testament to some of the greatest things in life are come as a result of executing on the simplest things. Anybody right now, if you have a hand and an eye, can do everything that we're saying. And it is so freaking powerful. I mean, I'll, I'll never shut up about this. Same, same thing with you. I mean, we're, we're so similar in so many ways. Yeah, I love that. So I have an ender question coming up, but I do want you to touch on um, <clears throat> some of your book recommendations. I know you alluded to them a bit, but you've always shot me some good ideas for books. I'd love if maybe you could mention like maybe five-ish books that really have impacted you. Atomic Habits by James Clear is what really helped me bring my goal setting to mm. a whole new level. That book, and, and I've referenced a lot of the teachings of it in this podcast. So that, that book got me thinking not just about goals, but systems. 
Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I, I think that should be required reading for everybody yes. in this country, especially right now. Oh, yeah. So if you want to develop what David calls a calloused mindset and just have, have something in your arsenal that can help you navigate through any tough time, I think that his story is absolutely incredible. So I love that one. I love Flamin' Hot by Richard Montanez. Richard Montanez is the founder of Hot Cheetos. And going back to what I mentioned earlier about Everybody Matters, this guy founded Hot Cheetos as, the jan- as a janitor at Frito-Lay. So he, long story short, the CEO sent out a company-wide email about wanting people to act like owners and submit any good ideas that they had that would help the company grow. And Richard, being a, a Hispanic American, noticed that, hey, Frito-Lay doesn't have any, any products that really tailor to the Hispanic market. You know, we love, we love spicy food. So what does he do? He starts experimenting in his living room with his wife and kids, like with raw Cheetos on how they can make them spicy. And he goes and calls the CEO while he's the janitor and says, look, boss, Mr. Enrico, I've got a good idea. And what's really cool about the story isn't just that the janitor found this, but that the CEO listened. Mm. That the CEO listened because he knew that he was getting a phone call from someone on the bottom of the totem pole, but he still gave him the time and didn't shrug it off. And boom, I don't even know how many billions of dollars Hot Cheetos have generated, but there's a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's three, uh, two more. If I had to pick two more, Everybody Matters by... Bob Chapman, I believe that that is just, it's an amazing book. And I'm going to go with a more recent read, even though I've got like my, my favorites sitting behind me, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. But another one that I really like is Hot Seat by Jeff Immelt. He is the former CEO of General Electric. He took mm-hmm. over for Jack Welch. And Jack Welch was known for being one of the most notable CEOs of all time, took GE and made it a thriving conglomerate. And then under Jeff Immelt's tenure for 20 years, he's he's very criticized. Uh, GE did not perform very well. What I love about the book is that he's open about he's he's open about every decision that was made. And here's what the media criticized him for. Here's what his thought process was. And he's just very vulnerable. He admits where he screwed up and where he went well. And I love any leader that can admit when they mess something up and take ownership. So those are those are five of my favorite books right now. I'm glad you mentioned that last one because I think a lot of times people look at leaders and they're like, oh man, they never mess up. They, ne- they, they never fail. And it's like, no, this guy just lays it all out on the line right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the tune of, in many cases, like there were multi-billion dollar mistakes made here and he's he, and he owns it and that's cool. And that's another thing, going back to your other question, how can we as young people lead? Don't be afraid to own your mistakes. I have, I love, I don't love this, but I do love when I tell my team or someone, hey, look, I screwed up, man. My bad. And it was tough early on, but that's something that we learned at the Citadel. But even now, it's so easy to put blame on someone else. Or if someone says, you know, like, let's say I tell you, Hey, Chris, I, I need you to work with your team. Some, I need you, I need your team to work some overtime this weekend. The easiest thing you can do is say, all right, guys, Ryan said, we got to work overtime this weekend, but a good leader is going to go look at his team. And as soon as I gave you that word, you own the call from there. So, all right, team, the mission is that we've got to go work some overtime this weekend and accomplish X, Y, and Z. Let's go get it done. How can I help you? I'm here to support you. The easy way out is Ryan told us to do so. Mm. I don't want to look bad. So take ownership. It's not easy, but leadership's not easy. Yeah, that's cool. I like that you brought uh, that example in because it's like, oh, like if you're not a leader, how can you take ownership? And it's like, no, you can choose to lead even if you're not, again, going back to the title and everything. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. Absolutely. Um, What would be, uh, I love to ask this one, what would be kind of like, your one word to just describe the success you've had, your journey and really where you are at this current day and age. 
You know, I wrote down one word for 2021. And the word was validated. I came out of 2021 feeling a sense of validation, meaning that this this one day brand and the podcast and everything that that I've been working on for the last three years, when I started it, I was fearful. I, I had the imposter syndrome. Who do you think you are? What the hell do you know about goals? All this stuff. And looked past that and just kept going and stayed consistent. And 2021 was really the year where a lot of people started reaching out. Hey, Mm. keep this up. This is awesome. I love it. Keep, keep the podcast up. And we're still, you know, if I, if I zoom out for a minute, this is one day is still very small. I'm still only, you know, a few thousand podcast downloads, but you can't hit a hundred thousand without hitting a thousand. You can't hit a million without hitting a hundred thousand. So small things add up, but I would say that I've, I feel valid. I feel a sense of validation that what I'm doing right now, even having this conversation, this is why I'm on this world, Chris. And this is why I'm, this is how I'm supposed to be serving people. So, um, and as I say this, I think my word is purposeful because I feel more connected to my purpose now than, than I ever have because of, because I know that what, is occurring through one day and through the podcast and even through this conversation, it's helping people grow. It's, it's, it's my wish that someone listening to this right now as a result of us talking about goal setting is going and, and buying a notebook on Amazon as we speak, or they're going to the grocery store, to Walmart, wherever to buy a notebook and a pen and write their goals down. Like that is, that to me is accomplishing the the purpose of, of, being here on this, in this world. I love that. And it, and it just takes one, one step at a time. Like you said, with running left foot, right foot, same, same with you wanting to create this impact and have your purpose. And it just starts with, with that one person, that one download. So thanks for elaborating on that. Yeah. Yeah. All it takes is one. Um, let me ask you this. So, uh, where, where can people connect with you, man? I know you alluded to one day, your podcast, you're speaking all these books. So I want you to kind of take the floor and elaborate maybe on some cool stuff you have coming up besides the Boston marathon, uh, and where people can kind of connect (laughs) with you and everything. Yeah. So I'm, I'm active on all social platforms. It's Ryan Cass, C-A-S-S. And LinkedIn, I love using LinkedIn. And by the way, I love keeping up. I love all the activity I see from you on LinkedIn in the morning. So it's it's awesome. So keep that up. And my personal Instagram, Ryan A. Cass, I've been starting to share more information there just about what I'm passionate about. But where you can find the most activity is on my one day Instagram. And that's one W-O-N day two day, one day, two day. And my website, you can go to ryancast.com, win today podcast, Apple, Spotify. I've got episodes coming out every week. I've got awesome people like Chris on board. A couple things to look out for this in the coming quarter, few months. Uh, two, Two things I'm really excited about. One, I'm taking everything that I know about goal setting and packaging that into an online course. So it's going to be eight modules mm-hmm. and everything that I've talked about will be available more in depth with some worksheets and I'm going to create a, a mastermind group off of that, similar to you know, what my good friend Kyle King has. So I've gotten a lot of inspiration from him this year. Next is, and this will come out in the next couple of weeks, is I'm launching a scholarship fund. So going back to the very beginning, I'm launching a scholarship fund called Be the First One. Mm. And it's going to be for students that are going to be the first one in their families to break whatever generational curse they may be, they may be facing. I'm going to award at least two $1,000 scholarships to students in South Carolina. Eventually, long-term, it's my dream. This will happen, actually, that I'll be able to contribute full scholarships, full ride scholarships to, to students, but got to start somewhere. So those are the two big things that are, that are on my radar right now. Yeah, man. Keep, keep us updated on the scholarship fund. I think that that's huge. Um, and the fact that you're doing that, 
to people that directly align with where you came from it is super cool i love to hear that but no ryan thank you man this is a great episode love taking your brain for a little bit and um i'll put all the links and stuff in the show notes so people can connect with you thanks so much chris really appreciate it keep up the awesome work well that's it guys thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of next level minds if you got some value out of it share this episode with a family member friend or colleague and other than that hope y'all have a fantastic week ahead